Rambam, Mishneh Torah, Hilchais, the laws of Malve, Vilova, lenders and borrowers, Perik Shlosh Osar, chapter 13. We learned earlier that there are two types of loans. There's an oral loan, and then there's a documented loan with a promissory note. Needless to say, the one with the promissory note is a much more powerful type loan and can be used to collect in a much more assertive way. So now he comes to say, Malve Shabola a lender comes to the court to be paid, Lihipora, to collect. Bishtari has a valid promissory note. Bishtar Shabiyode, with the note in his hands, Shalei Bifnei Love. It is not in the presence of the borrower. The borrower is out of town, the borrower is unavailable. The lender says, hey, look at my note, I'm here to collect, and the borrower has assets. If at all possible, the court should send a messenger to the borrower to say, hey, someone is coming trying to collect from your assets on your promissory note, why don't you come and defend yourself? Maybe it's paid, maybe you have an answer, maybe you have an argument. Shailchin, they send a messenger, a fax, or an email, or a Twitter, or whatever works. Better yet is Instagram. Omeidin lay, and they let him know. Listen, someone's trying to collect from your assets. If it's impossible to get the message to him quickly, and there's a discussion what's considered quickly, some say within 30 days, some say within one day. They say, the court says to the lender, let him take an oath, because we know that people take oaths very seriously. We assume if he takes the oath, he means it. He's being honest, and then we allow him and we assist him to collect from the assets of the borrower. Whether real property, or movable property. And we are not suspicious that had the borrower been present in court, he would produce a receipt saying it's paid. We have no reason to suspect that he has a receipt. Why not? Maybe he does have a receipt. Maybe the lender is a tricky fellow. Maybe he waited for the borrower to go out of town. Actually, this law is all about a rabbinic ordinance. Why? Because as we learn many times, and we will learn many times, it is in the interest of the community that the system is healthy. We're concerned that people not take other people's monies, in this case, his friend's money, and he'll move out of town. And he'll say, hey, I'm going to be out of town. I'm not going to be available. Therefore, this will become not collectible. That's a good way to make money. You borrow money, you move out of town. 
And what's the problem? The problem is that the door will be slammed in the faces of anyone who wants to borrow. Who's going to want to lend people money if they can just move to San Diego and you don't hear from them? Therefore, our sages legislated, if you can get them quickly, fine. If not, you pay not in their presence, so the system should continue to function. And again, this is tricky business. On the one hand, we want the system to function, so we want them to be able to collect. On the other hand, we don't want people cheated. Bays too, There are actually three proofs, three burdens of proof that one has to pass. Before the court, then he can be paid not in the presence of the borrower. Raya Proof number one, item number one, item number one is he has to verify and authenticate the note. Why? Because anybody could create a promissory note. Fraudulently. So there was a system in court of verifying and authenticating where the courts would research the signatures of the witnesses, would interview people, and they would stamp, and they would say, verified. So number one, the note has to be verified. Maybe it's a forgery. Raya number two, it's upon the lender. The lender has the burden of proof to prove that the borrower is out of state, out of the area. And he's not present in this locale to defend himself. That's a burden of proof that the lender has. He has to prove that the borrower is not available and that he's not reachable. We said earlier, if he's local, the court has to send somebody to find him. is proof number three. He wants to expropriate certain properties belonging to the borrower. He has to prove that these properties belong to the borrower and they're not somebody else's. We have to make sure he's not trying to expropriate the Brooklyn Bridge from somebody named Brooklyn. A lender comes to court, and he brings with him security, collateral. You know, we learned earlier a system of collateral. You borrow money, the lender says you have collateral, you give him collateral. The Yomar and the borrower, the lender says, <clears throat> Here, I have the collateral of my borrower. And it's been a while. And the date of return of the loan is passed. I want to sell the collateral. I want to repay my debt. So, what's the deal? Can the court authorize the sale of the collateral? Now, we learned earlier that if the collateral is something he needs, <clears throat> such as his pajamas, not only can't he sell it, he has to bring it back to him every night. His work tools, not only can't he sell it, he has to bring it back to him every morning. But here, this is not something he needs. It's his spare laptop. The courts are not required to say to him, Hampton, wait, until the borrower comes. 
the Yitanen give his side of the deal, give his state his position. He doesn't have, we don't make him wait for the borrower. Why? And here comes the logic we visited many times. This logic is called the Migui. Migui means if he wanted to lie, he'd have a better lie. Shimreit Salemer, if he wanted to say, this collateral belongs to me, I bought it. Aimer, who's going to stop him from saying, I bought it? If he wanted to lie, he could have said, it's mine. He's an honest guy, he's telling the truth. He's saying it's collateral. Because he could have told a better lie if he wanted to lie, we believe him. That's the logic of Migo. If he wanted to lie, because he could have said a better lie. However, as a court, we give him some good advice, to sell it before witnesses, in order that the borrower should clearly know how much it was sold for. Otherwise, there's going to be a dispute. Another scenario, if somebody makes a loan, a lender makes a loan to a borrower using collateral, and in this case, the borrower dies, and or the lender dies, everybody's dead. So now you have the, sex, the next generation coming. You have the borrower's offspring, the borrower's heir, the borrower's estate, and the lender's estate. We're not concerned who died first. Borrower or lender. The point is, you have a borrower's estate and a lender's estate. A lender's estate and a borrower's estate. Being that the lender is coming with the collateral and is saying, hey, Mr. Court, I want to sell this collateral. The time is up. This is from my father's estate. And had he wanted to say, it was bought, he could say, he can swear Benikita's chayp is holding a holy object like a Torah. Or film benaitl and collect. Anybody else who can take an oath and collect. Now the question is, why do we make him hold a holy object which is like a Torah oath? Why don't we just make him take a rabbinic oath which doesn't have to hold a holy object? Why does he not swear a rabbinic oath which is called heses? Because the oath is not on the essence of the mashkin. The oath is about the money that he's collecting. Had his oath been about the essence of this object, you sold it to me, you gave it to me, he would just merely take a rabbinic oath, and if there he would be exempt. But here, he's, the oath is on the loan. What if... The scenario changes. There are witnesses who say that this is collateral which he has. But they don't know what, when. He can only collect with an oath stating his claim. But being that there are no witnesses, he could say, Shaliyu, it's mine. But he's believed to say, I have against this so and so. In the oath itself that he would take, if there would be witnesses that it is collateral. We've established this principle many times earlier. We never use the migo logic 
If he wanted a lie, he could have told a better lie. When it comes to exempting someone from an oath, Ella moment only exempting someone from paying money. So that he doesn't give back the collateral until he states his case. Dalid. Now the plot tickets. Hamalves Somebody lends a borrower and takes collateral. So now the lender has the borrower's collateral. The avad enigna It is lost or stolen without any urgent emergency. In other words, it wasn't an armed robbery. We know that the lender who has the collateral of the borrower is like a shomer socher, he's like a paid watchman. He's only liable for these kind of situations if it's lost or stolen with a minor theft rather than a major holdup. So in this case, he is liable because it was lost or, or, or stolen. The lender is culpable. He's liable. As we explained, because he's like a paid watchman. So he has culpability. The lender is responsible for the collateral which he lost. So the lender, again, lends the borrower X amount of dollars, takes his laptop, loses the laptop, or it gets stolen in a petty theft. It's responsible. The And here comes the fun. The fun begins. The lender says, Sela hilvisicha olov. I lent you a sela. Now, just for the purposes of our understanding, these are all various currencies, various coins. A sela is a coin that's worth four dinars. Like make-believe when a dollar was a lot of money, when my mother was a kid. You have a dollar and you have four quarters. Or you want to get the more modern, it's $100, which contains four $25 bills, if they had $25 bills. So basically, that's the idea. Sela is a dollar and dinar is a quarter. And it doesn't mean a dollar, it could mean a hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, a hundred thousand dollars. So he says, I lent you a seller. Naturally, the lender who lost the collateral saying, your collateral was a shmata. It was only worth half the loan. It was worth two dinars. And remember, the loan was four dinars. The borrower says, what are you talking about? You lent me a sela. The sela, it was worth a sela. Four dinars. It was worth the exact amount of the loan. What are you talking about? And these are obviously logical disagreements because everybody wants their own benefit. Who knows how much that laptop is worth? Only a laptop specialist. So the lender swears to begin with There is the oath that every watchman has to take when there's a dispute. He has to make sure that it's clear that he doesn't have it somewhere in his basement. So the lender who is, whole, who is the watchman in this case has to take an oath that he's not hiding 
this object. That's number one. So we've ascertained that the lender is honest and he doesn't have the object was truly lost or stolen. Now the borrower has to swear, has this a rabbinic law, that the value was four dinars, the equivalent of the loan. When if then he goes home. Next scenario. The scenario changes. The lender says, I lent you a seller, which is four dinars. It was only worth a shekel which I believe is two dinars. Vahaleva Eman and the Lova says, Sela Albisani Olov, you did lend me a sella, Shlesha Dinam Yashava was worth three dinars. Yeshava Hamalvatchila again the lender must take an old chain of Bishusay that he doesn't have the object. Then the borrower has to swear how much it was worth. Because he claims it's worth more than the lender does. Because he admitted partially, and the difference between two and three dinners is one dinner. He has to pay him one dinner. Next case, the borrower said, You lent me a seller, all love on this collateral. And it was worth two sellers. It was worth twice as much as the loan. And the lender says, I did lend you a seller. The seller was only worth a seller the equivalent of the loan. So the borrower wants a seller back because he says his collateral was worth two. The, the lender has to swear that he doesn't have it. And he has to also include in his oath that the collateral was the amount of the debt. Amar Aleva, next case, the, lend, the borrower says, You lent me a sella. Ushtayim Ayashaba was worth two. And the lender says, I lent you a sella. The Hamisha Dinim Ayashaba was worth five dinrim, not two. Sellas, which would be eight dinrim, but five dinrim. Yeshaba Hamalva Shayna Bishusi, again, the lender has to swear that he doesn't have it. And he includes, this is called the Gilgul Shvua, the rolling oath. That in his opinion, it's not worth more than five, not eight, but five. And he pays that dinner, the difference between five and four. The next case, I, he argues and says, I lent you a sella, which was worth a half a sella. And the borrower says, I'll tell you the truth, I have no idea what it was worth. The lender should take an oath that he doesn't have it. But Kreil Bishwasi includes in his oath that it was worth two dinars. And the borrower has to pay the rest of the debt because the borrower doesn't know. And the lender says he knows. The lender knows for sure. He doesn't know if he paid him or not. He lent me a seller and it was worth two. And the lender says, I don't know what it was worth. The lender swears, he doesn't have it. He should include in the old, he doesn't know how much the value is, more than the debt. Even one pruta. He has no clear knowledge that it's worth any more than the debt. And he goes home, because he doesn't subject himself to any obligation 
at all. But if the lender said, one thing I know for sure that the collateral was worth more than the debt. But I'm not sure how much more. Here he has to pay everything the borrower demands without an oath because he doesn't have a position. Like we learned earlier, 50, I owe you. 50, I'm not sure. He has to take an oath. But he can't take an oath by saying, I'm not sure. Kameshi is born, as we will explain. It's always acceptable to cause the court to issue a ban of ostracism against anyone who makes a false claim. Halacha 5. Moving right along. What if somebody makes a loan to his fellow? And he set the time of repayment. So it's what we call a term loan. Even though a symbolic act of acquisition was not done here, but we assume that it's all in order. The lender lent the borrower money for a certain term. One cannot demand the loan back until the end of the term because that's why it's a term loan. Somebody borrows money for a year, he relies on the fact that he doesn't have to repay it for a year. Whether it is a oral loan. What is an oral loan? We learned extensively earlier with witnesses, without witnesses, but there's no promissory note. Or there is a promissory note, which is a much more powerful punch. Whether there is collateral. Or the lender or the borrower, I'm sorry, the borrower or the lender died. It makes no difference. Loans cannot be collected until the end of the term. No matter what the deal is, a term is a term. People are not expected to be able to repay a loan midterm. Now, what if a term was not specified? An unspecified loan is 30 days. A loan is not specified with term, it's a 30-day term. Bein Bishtar makes no difference whether it's a documented loan, bein Alper or an oral loan, bein Alamashkin with collateral or without collateral. What if it's not a term loan and it's not a non-term loan? What is it? It's an on-demand loan. You pay me back when I ask you for it. That's called a demand loan. If he stipulates a condition, that he can demand anytime he wants to, then he can demand it anytime he wants to. On the day, any day. Even on the day the loan was originated. Shatnai Momen Hook, as we learned earlier, it makes sense, it doesn't make sense. Any condition involving finances that is agreed to between two people is a valid condition. The guy says, lend me $100, I'll pay you on demand. Comes back to him an hour later, he says, I'm really sorry, I'm demanding. Now we get into disputes on term. The lender argues and says, Today is the day. I'm here to collect. 
And the borrower says, yes, originally it was, but don't you remember, you gave me an extension of 10 days. The borrower, Nishba Heses, has to take a rabbinic oath. If there was even one witness that today is the day, the Torah states when there's one witness, you can't collect, but it could require an oath. So you have to take a biblical oath, kishat tainus, like any other litigation. One says there's five days left to the term. And the other says, I saw that there's ten. So this is the dispute five and ten. When I was a kid, there was a store, five and ten. It came from this. They say to the lender, I'll tell you what, why don't you wait till the end of five? Then he should swear a rabbinic oath that there's five left. Now it doesn't pay to swear. What if the loan was a documented loan with a promissory note? And the borrower argued and said, You established time. And obviously the note doesn't state the term. It appears to me, says the Rambam, that the borrower should take a rabbinic oath, that there was no time stipulated. I'm sorry. The lender, the creditor, the lender takes the oath and he collects the loan immediately. Now the question is where can you collect a loan? The note or the agreement doesn't stipulate where. It stipulates when. So the halacha says here in 8, which is the closing paragraph of chapter 13. Loans can be demanded anywhere unless it says differently. Because again, we talk when, we don't talk where. Ketzat, for example, what if somebody issues a loan to someone in a city, in a settled place, and then they meet each other in the middle of the Mojave Desert, and the, the term is up, and he says, I'll take my money. Well, that's fine. He can't push him off. And say, are you kidding? We're in the middle of the Mojave Desert. Yeah, but term is term. He has to repay him any place. There's nothing stipulated about place. It doesn't say except if we're in, a, in the desert. What if the borrower initiates this act of repayment in the middle of the Mojave Desert. The borrower comes and says, listen, I owe you $25,000 of cash. Here it is. Have a good day. The lender could say, are you crazy? You're giving me $25,000 cash? I wish I put it on my camel. If he wants to, he could take it. But if he desires, the lender could tell him, I have the right to be repaid in a settled community where they have banks and safety deposit boxes. You don't pay me in the middle of the Mojave Desert. 
כדרך שנסעתי לך ביישוב. I issued the loan to you, I made the loan to you in a settled place. I'm entitled for you to repay it in a settled place so I can deal with it responsibly. And it remains in the responsibility of the borrower, in the domain of the borrower, our chief renown, until he repays him in a settled place. End of chapter 13.